You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. everybody welcome back to the hunters advantage podcast this is episode number 107 and i'm joined by jake underscore gaylord this man finally owns his first his very own computer and he's not broadcasting off his phone round of applause everyone it 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 only cost me seven hundred dollars let's go there we go first computer how does it feel jake it feels great i I wouldn't expect to get one this fancy but you know now that it's over, no buyer's remorse. You got like a two thousand dollar gaming notebook for seven hundred. Can't complain about that. I thought it was a scam. So should I tell the story real quick? Yeah, just quickly. So I don't want him to listen because I did tell him that we did have a YouTube and all that stuff. But because he asked me what I was gonna do to it. But the thing is, is like again, I'm not saying anything bad, but he he was like this Indian and I couldn't really understand him. Right, like he was super, super nice, but on Facebook, his name's like Arjun something, like cannot pronounce it, can't even say it. And his profile picture was of a little, it looked like Indian boy, like probably his son or something like that. And I was like, this looks like Scamville. Like I'm about to call in, and it's it's going to be on the other side of the world, and he's going to be like, hey, send me your credit card information. Well. I messaged him and he's like, yeah, I live in Tulsa. I can meet you in Claremore, which is like halfway to where I live. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So I look up this laptop and it retails on like eBay and stuff for like 1800. And so I'm like, okay, this might be too good to be true. Send it to you and then Peyton. And then Peyton's like, dude, send it to Elijah, this, that, and the other. Just he's, he's like a techno techno wizard of some sorts. And uh, everybody was like, if this is legit, this would be a steal. Long story short, we meet at Starbucks. He literally has to walk me through this because I don't know how to like look at the specs or anything. I didn't know how to turn it on. And the whole time he was like laughing. And uh, and I just straight up told him I was being honest. I was like, listen, I don't know anything about computers. So if you're like, you could be giving me like a little $200 HP laptop in this Alienware case. And, and he, and, you know, and uh, long story short, I mean, he just showed me basically had to turn it on it was legit it was legit so i think that's how i got the steal everybody else thought it was a scam that you you fed you saw through that and that allowed you you know a bargain i i don't like to judge and so i give everybody a chance you saw a diamond in a rough exactly there we go so we're basically going to get to put out like two times as much videos now right since you have a laptop you know the way my bank account set up maybe not yeah yeah well for the real reason why everyone is here what we're gonna do this episode is we finished our public land 101 mini series last week um and we had someone do have a pretty cool request on on tiktok and jake i guess has telepathy because he allegedly came up with this idea too before just pulling your leg okay okay but this guy asked us um have you guys done a podcast about your first deer kills? And I, I'm sure he was just talking about first in general, but we thought it'd be fun to do a first in general and then a first with a bow. 
because I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast do probably all sorts of hunting, but I would say the primary, primarily bow hunters. So that's what we're going to do this episode. We're going to trade off, go back and forth and just tell some stories. I don't know how long this will last. And then, oh, and then we're going to get into our weekly Q and a, we posted a video today, so we'll get into that as well. So Jake, you're going to kick us off. Tell us about your, about your first deer kill. My first deer kill was, heck, I don't even know how old I was. I probably should have researched this a little bit, like on Facebook or whatnot. But, uh, heck, I don't know. Might have been like 13. Coming prepared, man. Let's go. Well, listen, listen. I told you, okay. I was at a private piece of property that my dad took, uh, took me to. And the way we had this set up and like, I didn't know any better, but we had it in the middle of this field. It was a tripod stand. Remember that old, uh, Justin's old tripod stand. It is my uncle's tripod. How did the, yes. how did it end up getting over there? I don't know, but it's still there. It's broken, but but it's still standing. There's the seats ripped off obviously. Cause it's like 15 years old. We but, got, we have to pause for a second. What's this? So you killed this year when you're 13. How old are you? I'm 25, 25. Okay. Like a year ago. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to look this up. Okay. Continue. Okay. A year ago, when, um, a year ago, Michael Justin asks me, he goes, Hey, where's my tripod? <laughs> I go, What? And he's like, That tripod I left over at Jake and them's place, you know? And I was like, The one you left over there over like seven, a dec- seven years ago? Over a decade ago? And he was like, he's good at that. He goes, he goes, yeah, I need to get that back. And I was like, you're kidding. <laughs> he was, he was asking for it back after a decade. He's the kind of guy that would like leave a pencil in your car. And two years later, ask you like, Hey, you still got that? <laughs> like, I need that back. Was, but, it the, was it the scant boat the other time? Yeah. And then one time a scant boat, he asked me about five years later, he said, I went over to someone's house and I saw my scamp. And I was like, well, you obviously didn't miss it that much. If it was over there for five years, but That's true. Anyways, yeah, he he had asked about that, and I thought that was freaking hilarious because he asked over a decade. He asked me the funny thing. This is the funniest part, I think. He asked me where the tripod was, and to- he accused me of taking it over there. And I go, let's do some math, Justin. Twelve years ago, I was twelve or thirteen. How would I <laughs> have got God. your tripod twenty miles away in somebody else's pasture? You riddle me that. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. But he, he accused me of it. But anyways, this this helped you get your first deer. Yes. Yes. So it it was before 2010. I know that. So I'll let you do the math. I might have been like I think you were like 11. Yeah, I might have been 11. like 10 or 11. Yeah, let's just go with that. So I'm like 10 or so I'm just going to restart. My first kill ever. I think it's a Winchester lever action 3030. And it was my dad's old one. It had like a little old, I don't know, 5X sight. It wasn't very powerful at all. And we have your Uncle Justin's tripod set up in the middle of this field, but it's right next to like an overgrown fence, right? So it has a hay meadow on one side of the fence, which we still own. And then where the tripod was, it's basically, I don't know, like maybe 40 acres that, that you could see that that's pretty open, like it has some... uh all those nasty invasive cedars, like kind of grown up in it. Well, 
By the way, worst worst stand location you could after knowing what we know yes, now. Yes. Probably the worst stand location you could ever only, have a tripod. You could only pull it off with a rifle. I can guarantee you this because yes. there is some like some overgrown cedars growing up in that fence line where it sat. But the thing is, you're out in the middle of God and everybody. And so my dad was in the tripod, and then I was sitting beneath him in a lawn chair, just out in the middle of nothing. I didn't have any cover around me or anything like that. And of course I don't have a phone, so we can't text me. And so we're basically just like talking and remind you, I'm in a lawn chair and this is sort of like a hay meadow, but like an overgrown pasture that hadn't been touched in years. And so I can barely see. And, uh, so I just decided to take a little nap and like any young man should. Yes. Yes. I was, I was exhausted from, from being up and walking in at daylight so I'm sitting there snoozing in this lawn chair, and all of a sudden my dad goes, Jake, Jake. Luckily, I'm a light sleeper, you know. And I kind of like look up, look up at him, and he's just kind of pointing over here, like, buck, buck. And I see the biggest 11 point I've ever seen in my life. An 11 point, I mean, spike. And it's just walking probably 70 yards in this hay meta. And of course, what good spikes do. Once it sees us, it like looks at us, starts walking directly towards us like, hey, what's up, buddy? What are you? And me not knowing any better, I like I don't even think I asked if I could shoot it, but I was just like, I have a tag for a buck. I know this. I put I uh, pull up the 3030, get it on him. And of course, I'm just freehanding it. And he's about 70 yards away. And uh, remind you, he's walking directly at me. So in the scope, I see his head like right down there by his chest, just walking towards me. And I'm like, well, I know this thing has some power behind it. And I shot. I didn't know any better. Terrible reason to shoot a deer like that. I shot. power behind it. And it hit it. It would have hit the chest if the head wasn't in the way. Uh, Hunt Critic, don't be mad at me, but it popped it right there in the snoot. And when I mean the snoot, the uh, dome piece, and it just folded. And... I immediately started crying because I was like, oh, my God, I just shot. You know, tears were going. Long story short, no track job. No track job needed on that one. Nope. Did your bullet go into the cavity, too, or just in the face? I, I don't remember. I just know it hit, like, about right there under the eye. And that's all I knew. I, I didn't. I don't know. I was like 10. So that's when you became an outdoorsman. That's when I that's when I got hooked because I luckily that thing wasn't automatic because I was shaking out of my boots. Or else were, I just, were you hooked after you shot that one? I think so. I think so. Because it was the funniest thing. Because previously Brody got one like two years prior, and then the year before Ira got one at Ketchum. Remember that one at Ketchum? That was a pretty nice that was one. That's a good one, yeah. And I was literally sitting there thinking this morning. Kind of like you said last podcast, like no joke. I was thinking this. I was like, when's it my turn? Like Brody had his shot. Ira had his shot. This is this is my time. And then sure enough, that spike just gracefully appears out of nowhere. And I'm just like, here we go. There you go. So yeah, that was uh would I rather have, you it's know my first time. Yeah. <laughs> would I rather like it been with a bow and then been 20 feet up and double lung it and watch it go down for my first time? Sure, I guess, but it's just like that's not that's not that's not likely for a ten year old. 
I don't know. If a deer walks up to a feeder and you assassinate it, like Charlie says, you could hey, get one with your There brother. wasn't no feeder. He was just strutting along, minding his own business. So. There you go. Well, so, uh, let's hear about yours. Okay. Mine's not as glorious. I don't, I don't kill bucks for the first one. I like to get warmed up. Okay, okay. So, <clears throat> my first one was with a rifle. Um, Michael Justin had taken me and we sat it in my, my dad's 22250 on, uh, it was like a 3d target, uh, like a 3d buck target, but he had put a, like a lid that you would take off like a deal of vanilla yogurt or something. And he had put it right next to the vitals. And he's like, all right, if you can hit that, we can go. And I was like, all right, cool. So he put it out there at 75 yards and I shot and I hit it. Granted, we sighted the gun in like 200 yards from where we were going to go hunting. This is the kind of mm-hmm. times we were in. And I was like, all right, let's go. And he's like, all right, pick up the gun. Let's walk back there. And I'm like, dang, this is, this is awesome. So we went back, back, back on my grandma's 40 and back in the food plot. Have you ever been back there? Once. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we went back in the food plot, hopped in a blind. Dustin was actually with us. Justin and Dustin was with us. Mm-hmm. So this is 2006. I am eight years old. I've never shot. I don't, I don't know if I've shot any animal at this point, but we get in the blind and. Oh, you killed some birds. Maybe some birds. Yeah. But you know, little chickadees. Something like that. You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get in the blind and, and Dustin brought like a camcorder, like a VCR, VC, VCR tape. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like a mini cassette tape camcorder. And I, I kid you not, they're wearing shorts, but I'm like decked out. I got like face paint on, like I'm a beast at eight years old. And I kid you not, five minutes after we sat down, I was like, hey, there's deer. And I saw this before these two grown men. I'd never seen a freaking deer out of a blind ever. But here comes a fawn, no spots, by the way. We get grilled for that on, on social media. And we anytime we talk about shooting a deer and there's a fawn nearby, people hate that. Okay, fine. I was eight, bro. You were 13? Yeah. Should have known better. Yeah. So this fawn comes in to the feeder, and Dustin and Justin, they cannot figure out the camera. Like it, it won't record. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, it's going to happen anyways, you know, yeah. I'm because I'm, I'm shooting and this fawn is kind of has like her front shoulder in front of a, in like it was a tripod feeder. So one of the legs was coming up, covering up her shoulder and kind of her vitals. Mm-hmm. And I was on her just steady as a rock with that 2250. And that's a terrible gun to shoot deer with. Like it's a varmint gun. That is not a, that's yeah. not a deer gun. And I don't know why people try to shoot deer with it or give people kids it, whatever. I mean, it's great for a, co- a kid, but at the same time, you shouldn't be shooting deer with that round. It's 55 grains bullet. So I'm on her and I'm like on the guts. And Justin's like, can you, can, are you on her? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you on her vitals? I was like, no. He's like, can you shoot her without like hitting the tripod leg? And I was like, I think so you know, you're eight. Don't tell anybody you can do anything. I was like, I, I can do that. And so I'm on and I squeeze, I squeeze, boom, just pop her right in the guts. And she runs off and, and I'm like celebrating. This is like five minutes into, into the hunt. Later on, my grandpa's like, I thought, I didn't know what you guys were doing. You were out there five minutes and I just heard. Was, so we got out real quick and we tracked. And of course there's like no blood to track. It's just, guts you know and 
we walk up on this fawn and I'm like, of course I'm pumped up to me. Mm -hmm. It's like a big deer. Cause I'm eight years old. I probably yeah. weigh 80 pounds myself. And so you, if you ever see a picture, I'll, I'll post a picture somewhere, but the, you, my eight year old body next to the doe and the dose, the fawn still looks small next to me. And I'm eight and I'm like, gosh, dang, this is a small one, but I'm, I'm eight years old. That could have been Godzilla. I had no idea yeah. what, what a deer was like. And we took it up to the, this is back when you, I know some people that are listening have never had to do this. This is back when you actually had to go check the deer in. Like you had to drive and weigh them in or else it's like illegal. There's no online check-in. There wasn't even, you couldn't even have like the internet on your cell phone. You had to do it on a computer. So we go over to Langley and we, we like weigh this deer. I think it was 48 pounds. And I was not, and of course I'm proud of it, right? I'm like, I don't give a frick. I'm eight years old. Shot a 48 pound Dauphin, whatever. And I get into the, I get into the, uh, the, the shop, you know, they like would write your name down, write the weight, the sex, all that stuff. And the lady was like 48 pounds, huh? Couldn't have waited a little bit longer. The lady said that a lady said this to me and Justin looks at her and he goes, he's eight. <laughs> you know, like, like the lady was trying to shame me and I'm like an eight year old. I'm like, what does that mean? Is 48 not big? You know, I was like, I'm, I don't, I don't know the difference. <laughs> the lady was rude to me and I was like, wow. Okay. Um, I had to take a bite out of the heart. Just my uncle took the heart out. And I had to take a bite out of it. I was so proud. I swallowed it. It was like, this is <laughs> you did. Oh, I did. Yeah. hundred percent. I was really proud of that deer. My mom late, like I found out years later that my mom was so angry at him because he let me shoot a freaking fawn for my first deer. I mean, it wasn't a fawn with spots, but I guess they call that a yearling. If it's not, if it doesn't have spots, but I call it a fawn. I mean, mm -hmm. it was born eight months ago, six months ago, yeah. whatever. So, um, yeah, that was, that was my first one. 48 pound doe fawn spotless. Didn't have any spots, but shot it with the old 22, got her done. Now looking back while I let my kid shoot a 48 pound doe, or fawn? No, I will not. No, but no, but we didn't grow up in a target rich environment either. Exactly, exactly. And going back onto the uh, to that small caliber gun, right? My dad didn't didn't give he didn't give zero craps when it came to that. Like, okay, thirty thirty, it ain't the biggest gun, right? But I I vividly remember whenever we were sighting in guns for uh for like the deer season and. I forget which one it is. Is it a seven mag? Seven millimeter, I think is what you're talking Okay. Shot. Okay, yes. Well, again, I was only like maybe 10 or 11. And what he made me do one time, because I was like, I want to shoot that gun, because him and my Uncle Justin, well, not your Uncle Justin, but my Uncle Justin, was, uh, was shooting out at his place. And what they, so the way they did it is they were just shooting over the back of their uh of their pickup bed so they would rest the gun on the pickup bed so what they did is justin had an old like tractor tire out there whatever he's like here i'll roll this over here you can stand on it rest on the uh on the the bed of the pickup and shoot and i i didn't know how hard one of those kicked at the moment i was just like oh you know i've seen them shoot it i can handle it i get up on that tractor tire and i'm sitting there and of course when you're that young you're not going to like squeeze the trigger right so i would just sit there Boom! And they had so the way they worked is they didn't catch me. They they caught the gun. <laughs> of course, and, you can yeah, replace. Yeah, you can exactly. replace a kid. You can't replace that. No, 
yeah so uh that that was my first experience with like like i guess a high-powered rifle like that and after that i was like mm, let's go with something smaller so i can see like the uh I can see what, yeah, yeah, I can see the 22250 as like a youngin. Yeah. I'm going to be like, hey, kid, if you can't shoot this 30 out six, you don't get to shoot one. Yeah. 30 out six is a nice one, though. Yeah, I agree. What about your, uh, what about your first, um, bow kill? Uh, <laughs> now this one, this I one, don't, I don't like people listening to this episode because they're going to think we're like idiots. Well, unethical. They probably already think we're idiots, so it's fine. So, my first rival kill, I shot in the face. So what's what's opposite of the face? The butt. The butt. And that's how my first bow kill went. So we were back at Dustin's, uh, Dustin's land, which was behind my mom's house. And there's this old traditional like buddy stand. That's what we called it back at the buddy. Whose and stand think, is that? I have no clue. Justin's. Justin's. <laughs> okay, Justin. Justin's. It's the, Justin's again. <laughs> Basically, he supplied all of our hunting capabilities is what Justin did. Uh, so I sat back there. I don't even know whose bow I had because for a time I was using my dad's old PSE. And then that thing, I don't know if it blew up or what, but that thing had 0% let off. I can guarantee that. Well, I tried and tried and tried to get a any any type of deer right with uh, with my dad's old PSE and couldn't get it done. I literally got to the point where I was setting out corn like directly under my stand, like literally seven yards from where I climbed up in the ladder and I had here. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I only had like two pins. I, it was like a 10 and a 20 and that 20 was probably actually only like 15. And, but I didn't know how to side in a bow. I was like, Oh, this is what I can do. And, uh, it got to the point, like I said, I was dumping corn out seven yards away and I had, a group of doe come in because they don't all come in, you know, just one by one. They're just like a, a whole pack. And so when they get there, they're seven yards. This buddy stand isn't hidden, right? It's on the edge of this little clear cut on the edge of the tree line. And when I say it sticks out like a sore thumb, it does. You can immediately see the stand from a hundred yards away easily. Well, so imagine that. And then I'm a young guy in that stand with five doe on full alert, seven yards away from me eating the corn so like whenever one goes down to eat three more pop their heads up while they chew and then they just alternate you know how those work like when they're eating corn how old were you i don't know i was probably like 13 14 don't you think i thought this was much i thought this was a lot later in life you think so i thought so i thought it was like in high school it might have been in high yes it was because i could drive i could drive yeah. So I was I was at least 16. So yeah, you're right. You're right, dude. I'm horrible with age. Like I I don't know. I don't even know what I I, I, mean, got, I got your your memories right here. Thank you. So I could drive. I remember that because I had that old red Dodge. Yep. So yeah, I was like 16 my hell. I might have been 17 to be honest. I have no clue. Could have been 20, who knows. I I don't <laughs> think it's 20. Uh, long story short, I was using my dad's old PSE. I had all those deer 7 yards and I probably shot at four deer obviously four times i shot four times at, at at separate deer three times missing and then one time i hit one in the leg the front leg but i like seven yards and it sounds awful like i pro- I don't know if i should be saying this or not but like these, these are just my experiences right i shot one in, and I, at, at the time i didn't know i hit it in the leg i just heard a big loud smack 
And then I saw one like kind of like start limping off. And I was like, I got one. I got one, baby. And I immediately get down and look for blood. When I say I find a drop of blood, not not bigger than like my pinky nail. That's how big it was. And that was the last blood I, I, I found. And I was like, well, I didn't get that one. Like, I just knew that. Well, a little bit later, and I'm pretty sure it was that season. I'm not sure, but I use your old Jennings. You gave me that one to use. And I was like, okay, we're going to get this done. So I hunted every time I could. Anytime I had free time, didn't matter if it was 45 minutes before dark, I ran out there because it was like maybe a 15, 20-minute walk from my mom's back door to that stand. And so any chance I got, I was back there. Well, I guess one evening, I went out there, and a doe started walking out. I had corn. I set out corn there, never let it go empty. I had a trail cam. I knew there was does uh, coming there nonstop. So I was like, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait. All of a sudden, one, I remember it comes out from behind me about 15 yards, and I'm like, I'm going to wait for it to come to the corn and eat. Instead of turning left and going to the corn, this doe... 15 yards away, just stops, turns directly away from me, and starts walking, walking away. And I'm like, this isn't supposed to happen. Why is she, why is she walking there, not the corn? So I get up and draw, and I'm like, okay, I'll wait for her to go broadside. And I was like, she's getting pretty far, and it was only like maybe 20 yards at that point. And she's I was getting like, away. Yeah, that, well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I, I've been sitting here for I don't know how long, you know, so I want to get a shot, shoot or shoot, you know. Stand up. Terrible draw, attitude. But exactly. Yes. But I didn't know. And uh, because like when I say I didn't have any mentors for bow hunting, I had none. I literally picked up my, dad, my dad's old PSE and I was like, well, rifle season's over. So now what do I do? I still want to hunt. I'm just going to go out there and see what I can do. She's walking away and I'm like, well, what I'm going to try to do, I wasn't planning on spining her. Wasn't planning on trying to shoot her in the butt. Nothing like that. What I was trying to do is just go left of the spine a little bit digging into those lungs. That, that was my thought process then. I draw back, I shoot, and when I say I almost Texas heart punch this this doe, you know what Texas heart, heart punch is? Straight up the other hole. Straight up the butthole. Here was the butthole, and about an inch above it, that's where my arrow sat. And it didn't spine it, don't know how, so it might have been the left or right a little bit, but that arrow sunk in, and it was like some, it was probably like some muzzy fixed blade or something like that. And I'm freaking out because I see her like tuck her, obviously tuck her butt in and like kind of struggle to run away. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, I got her. And then I started feeling a little bit guilty. I was like, but I shot her in the butt. So I don't know, you know, I hope she doesn't suffer. And so me not knowing still, because all I did was rifle hunt in the past. I was like, I'm just going to get down. She has to be down there somewhere. I get down, didn't find any blood. And at this point, it's getting pretty dark. And I'm walking the edge of this clear cut where I thought I saw her go in at. And I'm walking, and I make my second loop around, and then all of a sudden, uh, on my second loop, I hear like, and it sounded like something like kind of stumbling. And I was like, I've been looking for this deer for probably 30, 30, 35 minutes already. There ain't no way she's just in this little thicket right here, and she's going to go down. And all of a sudden, I just kind of like, basically, I was just laying on the ground, just not trying to make a sound, not trying to move or anything, just in case it was that deer. And she was trying to expire or whatever. And all of a sudden it stopped. And from when I first heard it to when it stopped, it was like maybe 45 seconds. And I kind of just like crept in there. I had another one knocked. It was like probably my last arrow. And uh, I crept in there. And there she lay. 
not 10 yards away from me. Still warm. No, uh, what do they call that? Where they start getting stick? Rigor mortis. Rigor mortis. Nothing like that, obviously, because she was just now probably on her feet. But I must have hit something, some blood vessel or whatever. And uh, even where she laid, there wasn't any blood. So it had to be in like all internal or whatever. But it was just by luck, by chance that I shot her and she didn't run three miles and she died like 45 minutes later within 10 yards of me. And I literally heard her go down and I was like, this is crazy. Then you were addicted to bow hunting. And then after, yes, yes. And cause I remember I pulled out my phone and I, cause I had a phone at that point. I remember that I got, get on Snapchat. I made sure to pull the arrow out and just held the, uh, held the arrow with the, uh, broadhead in front of her where she was kind of in the background and i was like got it done you know of course i put that on my story and looking back at it because i still got that picture looking back at it there was no blood or anything it was just straight up meat on that broadhead and i was like wow hey you can get lucky your first time i mean you have to i think you have to yeah these these stories are like these are cringy they're they are cringy and i i i hate to share these because they're um they're just kind of just how it is though like you don't make great decisions when you're 13 or you're eight or you're trying to get your first deer with a bow and no one's telling you You, like you only learn to be ethical and stuff through like terrible experiences yeah if you don't have someone telling you i'm the poster child for bad decisions so uh it happens you got to start somewhere and my somewhere was learning by experience for at least yeah. the archery side. So, yeah. It yeah, wasn't the cleanest, sure. but like we say, it didn't have to be perfect. It just has to work. And it worked. And it worked. In that instance. <laughs> Would never do it again. I'm just saying for all the listeners, all the viewers, wherever you're seeing this, our mindsets have changed. Just saying we still don't take those shots, usually. But uh, <laughs> so what was your first uh, archery experience like? First archery. So my first archery kill or my first bow was a Hoyt target bow. It was a red target bow that was like a lady's model, I believe. And my uncle had a girlfriend at the time and he bought it for her. And so I was, I was the, the great recipient of this bow when she decided I don't want to bow hunt. And I was like, cool, sweet. I got a bow now. I got a target bow. This thing was probably like a 35 to a 37 inch bow. Like it was so long. It was, it wasn't wide at all. It was just long. And when he gave it to me, he didn't have a sight or any rest on it. So like I got like a whisker biscuit, I think at Walmart. And then I went and I stole a Cobra archery bow sight off of his like 1980s Browning bow. And I put that on the, I put that on the, on the Hoyt and it had yeah it had one pin on it and i sighted that one pin at 10 yards so that whole season similar to you you actually like like sighted in your stuff and all that at 10 yards yeah yeah so i mean i I set it in at 10 yards and i put my corn pile similar to you like i think 12 to 15 yards away something in that range and i was i think i was 13 when i was started to bow hunt 12 or 13 because my grandma would pick me up from school and I would get to go bow hunt like at her house, like after school. And so I didn't have to get a ride or I didn't have to drive out there. I would just get a ride with her most days. And I was, I know that I was not in middle school yet and stuff because I was, uh, there was like no sports 
I didn't have any like sports or anything after school or anything. So I went out there and I like hunted like the entire season, which is probably like two weeks, probably mid October or something. And my uncle is hunting the food plot and I'm hunting the back fence. And these spots are 120 yards apart or something. It's just how we hunted. And I had like does like all season. I would have does come into like 15, 20 yards. And I was like, man, they're out there. Like they're, they're way away. You know, I couldn't, I can't get a shot on them. One time, I think halfway through October, I had a, a, a fawn or a small doe. I don't remember exactly. It wasn't like 40 pounds or anything, but it was small. It didn't have spots and it came into the corn and I drew back on it. And I remember when I got like in full draw, I was like this thing, I was like, there's no way this is about to happen. Cause I had been dreaming of this moment. I probably had like 10 encounters with deer and I just never been, never been able to even draw back on one. Mm. And I put my pin perfect and I shot and just muzzy broadhead, just like a carbon express arrow from Walmart zipped right through her. And I remember when it zipped through her and I, she ran 50 yards. I didn't see her crash, but I heard her crash. And I remember texting, I, I texted Justin immediately. I was like, I'm going to bow hunt forever. <laughs> I remember texting that. I was like, I'm going to bow hunt forever. Cause it was like, you talk about the mystical flight of the arrow, even at 10 yards. I was like, that is, that is amazing. That was so much better than shooting on with a rifle. And it was so intimate at 10 yards with one pin. Like I only had a single pin zips through where she runs 50 yards and we go, we get down and it was actually, it was a muzzy three blade, but it was a great blood trail. What got up 50 yards. I had double longer first shot with a bow and, when we got up to her, um, obviously Justin realized that it was like a fawn, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, "All right, I'm I'm glad you got your first one with your bow." And he said, "Now let's quit shooting fawns." And I, I was like, "I agree." <laughs> I was like, "I agree." Yeah. So that that was my first bow kill with yeah, just my first archer kill, and it was it was freaking awesome. Even though it was a fawn, even though I had a crappy bow, that's why I always say to anyone that will freaking listen. Like it doesn't, the equipment doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You, if you want to kill one with a bow, you can, you can kill one with a bow. Like my little brother Luke all the time is like, will you get me a new bow? And I'm like, you haven't even killed one with your regular bow. And he's like, well, I need a better bow. I'm like, take it from me. You do not need a better yeah. bow. You just need a bow <laughs> to get it done. Because if anything, like, let's say, you, I mean, you're not going to know this at the time and you're not really going to, you're not really going to learn from it as much as you are when you're older. But when you're, I feel like when you're young and you have a so-called old bow or a bad bow, it makes you be a little bit more efficient. Like you're trying to get the deer closer. What can I do to bring them closer? So it, it makes you think a little bit more. And like, I think we could kind of learn from that now, you know, like, because now our bows, I, I shoot a 525 grain arrow and my side tape max is at like 93, 95 yards. And it's just like, will I take that shot? Depends how big it is, uh, but no, most of the time, no. So it's just like maybe if we try to bring that old young mindset back, maybe that can make us a better hunter. I think so too. Trying to get deer close, mm-hmm. but now back then we did it out of necessity. Yes, like they're like yes. sixteen yards. You're like they're out of range, baby. They're they're just out of range. So is that the deer that like get you hooked? Obviously, with bow hunting, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I I wanted to kill, I wanted to kill a buck so bad. And, mm-hmm. and this is the thing too. And I think people need to, to hear this. My bow was not the right draw length. 
It was not the right poundage. It was not like none of these things were right. Like, hell, it might not have been sighted in. I don't know. But I remember and I I learned these things because the first time I ever went to deer camp with Justin and them in the mountains, I pulled my bow back and they're like, dude, your bow's three inches too short and draw length. I was like, really? I just thought you always shot with the right angle in your arm. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea, but I had so much like young, just optimism and like passion to go hunting that I didn't really give a frick if it was the wrong boat. I didn't care. What are we going to do? You didn't have any money. You're going to take it to a bow shop and be like, Hey, you think you can do this for me for free? Just like, no. Well, first off, how are you going to get to the bow shop? Right. I'm 13. You know, it's just my, like, well, my FOC was you literally, off, so I could yeah, have killed that for exactly. exactly. <laughs> you literally had, I mean, at that point, it's just like, well, I had this, I'm not going to be getting anything anytime soon. So you just got to make do with what you have. That's, that's some, sometimes the most beautiful thing. Like now there's grown men that, um, and I know some of them, but they start out with a bow and they haven't killed an animal with the bow. And they're trying to like efficient, like maximize their setup to like the hundredth degree, you Mm -hmm. know, like make it like the best setup it can be. And I'm like, listen, man, if you're a gearhead and you like doing that thing, that that's one thing, but you don't, it doesn't need to be perfect. Yeah. Sometimes like, I will not kill a deer unless my setup is perfect for me. No, take it from me. You can take a setup that's not perfect for you and not perfect in any way and halfway decent and you can do you can kill a deer with a bow. Yeah. Like my for first sure. my first uh bow that I actually had set up for me was the Matthews V three. Like I before that I had the switchback. Which you bought when? Uh like last after year. the after the twenty twenty season, yes. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've only used one I've only been through one season with a bow that's completely tuned and set up for me personally before I had an old switchback and it was set up for the guy that the family friend that we bought it off of. And it's just like, we were kind of the same draw length, all that stuff. But like, again, kind of like we've said in previous podcasts, I didn't know what the spine of an arrow was. I didn't know that the length of an arrow, I was like, well, as long as it didn't come off the rest, when I draw back, I think I can use it. That was my mindset. And I killed deer. Heck, I, I killed the biggest buck of my life so far with that old switchback with, I don't even know how many inches the arrow was or what spine it was or anything like that. It's just, you got to make do with what you have. And you can make do with what you have. And you can. That's the thing. Like if you don't have, you don't even need confidence. You just got to have hope that like you, you don't need the perfect setup. That's, I feel like we're into that kind of realm now. It's like, which bow do you shoot? Oh, well this one's, this one's a little bit faster. This one's a little bit smoother. It'll help you kill more. And I'm like, now obviously, I mean, if you're, if you're a grown man, do your research, right? Like don't, don't just find a youth bow and be like, I'm going to try to hunt with this. They said I could because a, I don't think that's legal. It has to be like a certain type of poundage and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're a kid, do whatever you can. I don't, I don't care if you try to slingshot one. Okay. Pick up a rock, hash out like the David and Goliath scene. Just try to get yeah. it done. If you want to bow hunt, Get you a cheap bow and go do it and expect to have, I hope if, if anyone's taken anything away from our first bow kill and then our first rifle kills is they're not perfect. You make bad decisions. I hope that people have listened to podcasts before this and think we know something before they listen to this one. Yeah. If this is their first episode, <laughs> they're going to be like, these guys suck. Uh, yeah. But, um, you can, you can, and you we can do, we're not yeah. saying we're great. <laughs> no, no. I think 
just but just trying to loop back i think the one that got me like definitely definitely hooked into bow hunting was my very first bow buck and still yet that story didn't even go off without a hitch either no. because the one behind me it was the same exact stand i shot the boat the the doe out of but it was we went down to our public piece in oklahoma where we always hunt see i didn't mention any names there we just got back and it was sunday and we got back kind of like sunday morning and i was like dang it you know i have sunday evening to hunt i'm just going to run out here behind the house try to shoot one we were in college well, too yeah we were we were yeah, we? we had to be Holy, back at school. Yeah. yeah so uh i ran back there real quick and yeah that is true because i literally had to drive all the way back and i was just like you know what i can i can drive back after it gets dark it's fine go out there and I was going to shoot anything buck doe. It didn't matter. And I remember I, at first I seen a doe, but it was like probably 40, 50, maybe even 60 yards away, just completely across from me on the other side where that Creek is. It was on like that tree line. And I was just like, man, just come over here. Just come over here. Well, it didn't. And it just kind of wandered off. And then a little bit later, I seen another doe on, on like the complete right side. So it'd be like the South end of that. I know you know what I'm talking about, but uh, it was a south end. I seen another doe, and then I was sitting there. I was like, man, I'm just wasting my time. I, and you're right. And I was like, I could be driving back right now, all this. And then all of a sudden, I look behind me because I heard something, and I see a doe walking out, and I'm like, oh, it's game time. Here we go. The doe kind of like runs out to the right of me, and then I hear something what sounds like beside her, and I look over again, and I just see antlers just kind of coming through the brush. And I'm like, Oh my God, here we go. And the doe plays the script perfectly. She comes out 15 yards away from me and then just turns and starts walking right to left, just completely broadside, just walking, grazing, just 15 yards from me. No, she wasn't 15. She was probably like 25, 25. That's what it was. I'm, and, I'm uh, memory. thank you. Dude, I'm it's awful. But anyways, so she's just kind of moseying around right there. And the buck's kind of hesitant, like stepping out. He's like, man, I don't really like this. Something's up. But the doe was just so chillax. She, you know, she, she's completely the reason I killed that buck. He kind of steps out a little bit into the opening. And I'm like, this is the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life. And so I'm just kind of sitting there. I have my phone in my hands because I turned my GoPro on. And as I turned my GoPro on, my phone's in my hands because I was, I was on it, obviously. If you, if you go hunting and you don't be on your phone the whole time, I give you mad props. But so I set that down and I'm sitting in the bow's already on my lap. So I go to pick it up. And at this point, I don't have a rangefinder, right? So what I used to do is I used to, before the hunt, or I guess before the first hunt of the season, I would drag fallen limbs that was in the thicket and I would pace off how, however far they were away from my, uh, the ladder of my tree. That's right. And so I had one at like 10, 15. 20, 25. It was a great scent control, right? Like obviously did nothing for scent elimination. Well, uh, the buck comes out following the doe and it just standing out there, just like looking at the doe. And at this point it's probably like 25, 30 yards away from me, just completely broadside, just staring at the doe while the doe's eating, just dead set hooked on her. And so I'm sitting there, I draw back and Again, I don't have a rangefinder, so I'm, I'm not really sure how far he is. And I shoot. Sells right over his back. And he kind of like, it spooks him, obviously. And so he kind of like stutters for a second and just like looks straight at me. 
And I'm like, well, dang, I just blew that. And he just looks at me, looks right back at his doe. And the doe just still completely oblivious. And it looks back at me. And so I'm like, he's either going to run or I said, he's either, he, he's probably going to run regardless. So I got to make something happen. So while he's just completely staring at me, I, like I'm moving fast. I grab another arrow from my quiver. Out of miscellaneous. Yep. Yep. Run it through the whisker biscuit, plug it, and then draw back again. And the whole time he's, he's just staring at me, just broadside looking at me. And I'm like, well. I shot over his back now. Let's just aim a little lower this time. Aim. What pin were you using? I don't even remember, dude. I had three pins, I think. And I was I was probably using the very last one, I think. I don't know. I remember because you used to set your first pin at 10 and your second pin at 20. Yeah. Well, I had to. That's fair. Well, so thumped him. He runs off. At this point, I'm freaking out. I get down there. Not very like the the blood's awful. Can't can't find a whole lot. He apparently he ran across the creek. I go back and I come back looking for him at midnight. And I have of course my brothers. We all have like big spotlights looking and all that. Can't find him for the life of me. So I'm like, well, sorry school. I got to stay here tonight and look for this buck tomorrow. Go to sleep. Wake up at the buck crack of dawn. Walk out there. Still don't find him. And, and I search from like daylight until probably like. 12, 1 o'clock, and I'm like, I have to I have to find him today because I, I have to go back to school. Granted, it's still water. It's like two and a half hour drive. And uh, so at like noon, 1 o'clock, I go back, take a nap because I'm exhausted. And then I wake up probably like 2 o'clock, 2.30. And I'm like, well, I searched for him all on the ground. So I'm going to hop on the four-wheeler, go in the neighbor's pasture, and just ride the creek, see what happens. And I wasn't on the four-wheeler out there in the pasture for more than 10 minutes. And it's just like I knew exactly where he was. I just drove right up on him. And apparently he crossed that creek and got into to some like really thick stuff. And then the coyotes drug him out into the open. Really? His cape, yeah, his cape was fine. Obviously he was swollen because it was it was like, I don't know if it was in October or not. But, uh, I think it was November. It might have been. Or late October, one of the two. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he was obviously all swollen because it was hot and... Meat was wasn't any good, but the only thing that was wrong with him, like cosmetically, was his 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 butt was eaten out, obviously from the coyotes. I pulled up on him, and my very first thought, and I was like, "Is this my deer?" Because I I was kind of like looking around, like making sure I didn't see like anyone else, like trying to track a deer or something like that for some odd reason. I was just like, "Are you? Am I sure this is my deer?" And I was like, "It has to be. It, it absolutely has to be." So I loaded it up, and I wasn't looking for it for like I said, more than fifteen minutes, and. There she, there he lay. Was it in the field that I hunt or the other one? So do you know the gar place? Remember that old gar place? It was right there. Right there. So Dude. Yeah. That's pretty wild that you rode right up next to it. Yeah. Like I was just driving, just following the creek and it wasn't, it was broad daylight out in the open, not 10 yards away from the bank. And I was just like, I'll be dang. Sometimes it just works out. It, it just works out. But I call that the uh, second chance book. No, we kind of did when we put our first video of that out, didn't we? Second yeah, that's, chance book. That's exactly what it was called, Second Chance Book. Oh, my gosh. Well, if anybody got anything valuable off of our first hunts, I hope it's that we've came a long way. Because we... I, I hope we came a long way. I hope we, we have <laughs> came a long way. We still make some stupid decisions sometimes, but but uh, hardly any of them is like shot selection. So, 
I tr- we try to make don't make the shot selection one that much anymore, and don't shoot fawns anymore. That's that's the one for me. That was my problem. I don't know, man. If it's like late November and I'm just on a dry spell and a yearling comes out. Sometimes you got to eat. Sometimes you just got to get the killing started, remember? That's the motto. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got six questions that we're going to field from TikTok and try to go through and we'll just alternate. So I'll take – so number one, I'll ask you – this one is from how, how many questions we got so far? We got six. Six? Yep. Let's just let, let's just go back and forth though then. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll do that then. So I'll ask the first one. So talking this is from Huntworks, repeat offender on the podcast. And mm, he asks a good question you. pretty much every time. So thank you, bro. Talking point. What are your hunting pack essentials and how have they changed over the years? How much do you really need? Question mark. My pack essentials, if I was to break it down. <laughs> It would be so besides like obviously the bow quiver, all that good stuff, and like the camera equipment, besides all that, it would be I always want an extra layer of clothing because when I walk in, I'm gonna be hot regardless. But it could be mid October and I'll still carry in like a sweatshirt or like like an like a hooded something just for a mosquitoes, because I don't care how hot I am. It can be ninety eight, but I will still wear a sweatshirt if that will help with mosquitoes. And while I'm on that point, Second one would be a thermosel because I absolutely despise mosquitoes. Other than like to keep it like super simple, water or some sort of liquids because there's nothing I hate more than A, mosquitoes, and then B, being thirsty when you like being you walk parched. all that way and then you get in your stand, you're just like, lips are dry. Can't do that because you're just like, man, now I got to sit here for another three, four hours and I got to walk all the way back and then I get a drink. And it's just like, well, that's the reward for a long walk on public land. Yeah. What about you? What's in your bag? Man, I would say some things that are essential that has changed over the years. I always carry a tree saw now. I did not used to, but I actually have a tree saw in my saddle pack. On public land? What? You can't do that. Well, no, I'm talking about on private. You never know when there's going to be a limb that you got to take care of. And I'm trying to think what else. I always carry a... Um, so you mean you... So just to clarify, in all seriousness, you use your tree saw on private, and then for public, what you do is you usually have a string or paracord in your bag to tie off the limbs to get them out of your way for your shooting lanes, correct? Exactly. That's yeah. what you do? Okay. Yeah. So then also I will carry some, um, a... I don't know limb makes these, but it's basically just a strap that has a buckle on the end and you buckle it around the tree and it has little individual C clamps that you can hang your backpack off of or a grunt tube. And what I will do when I'm saddle hunting is I'll kind of position those around the tree based on where I need them. So if it's my bag, I'll kind of push it around the other side of the tree, get it out of the way. I'll put my grunt tube close. I'll kind of sometimes even hang my range finder off of them. And that way it kind of feels like instead of having like a Turkey foot drilled into the tree where you have three little prongs, I have like, 10 and I can hang different mm. stuff off of each one of them if I need to. And that's one of the ways that I feel like I've changed because one of the worst things is getting in the stand and having to fumble through your bag to get crap. I can't stand that. I like to have, I get there, I get everything out, lay it down and then I feel like I'm good. And then packing it up sucks, but I like to have everything out. So that's something that's essential to my pack. Nice. So moving on next one, this is by uh, Hank Hunt's. Hanky. 
Oh, hanky panky. Uh, what's y'all's personal goals slash requirements for a shooter buck? Well, they change on public land. And I hate to say it, but they kind of change throughout the year, depending on they how do. good of a year it is. 100%. On private, I have a couple leases in Oklahoma. On private, I would say five and a half year old deer. It would be my normal standards. I want a mature deer and I would prefer a big deer. But I mean, look at me last year, the first mature deer I shot, I, I saw a shot. He wasn't big at all, but it's fine. And then he was, he was seven and a half though. Seven and a half years old. But I would also say we do kind of have a rule around the lease. A four and a half year old eight point is usually fair game. So I don't know why that is. I guess eight points tend to stay that way. Sometimes they change, but that's a, that's a rule we made. And then on public land, I have a very simple rule. Shoot what makes you happy. That's true. And some people would say that's not a good strategy to go from, you know, five and a half year old deer to whatever you want on public. But in my mind, I don't, I don't control enough variables on public land to manage and shoot for age. I really don't even see enough bucks to decide and shoot for age. From the uh, fine words of the OK Hunter crew, it's your tag. It's not theirs. It is. That, that's so, my standards. What are your standards? So mine's probably or, a little. Or your, pers- your personal goals requirements. Yeah. So starting off the standards, mine's probably going to be a little bit different than yours on the private just because the piece of private you have is a lot better and it holds a lot more deer. So my private piece, it's, I don't know, it might be a few hundred acres all around, but only maybe, let's say it's 150 acres, maybe I don't know. What do you think? 15 of it's huntable. I was going to say 20. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it holds less deer, obviously. So it's, it's the weirdest thing. And it kind of goes back to what we've been trying to kind of preach when kind of lay low on the human pressure, right? Because I hunted that from 2017 to 2019. And I only saw maybe one buck over that, that would probably score Pope and young. And then we hunted public all of 2020. And then last season, 2021, I seen like five deer on the hoof, not just trail cameras, on hoof that would probably make a round Pope and Young, if not Pope and Young. And so, A, that, that, that kind of brings back to, and that probably has to do with me, you know, blowing the place out. Where I hunt, the neighbors kind of try to sit on the fence a lot. And so the bucks usually don't get, very old so my thing is is i passed a three-year-old probably 125 last year and if if it's a four-year-old it's probably it's probably going to get the smoke on there if it's something i'm after and that's a mature deer right mm-hmm. by every standard four and a half is a, is a good buck i mean i've got a lot of four and a half year old deer on the wall yeah i'm, I'm proud of it and then on public Kind of like you said, shoot what makes you happy. Uh, and an explicit version, what uh, what your Uncle Justin always says is when it comes in, and if it doesn't make you say, oh, shit, then probably don't need then to shoot it. Then it ain't the one. If you got to question yourself, like, mm, should I shoot that? Then, yeah, it ain't the one. That's a good rule. So what's your goal? My personal goal? Which is personal shoot goal a mature for buck every year. 2023. Two? This would be 22. Yeah. Yeah. My goal is shoot a mature buck on private 
I like to shoot a good scoring buck, and then on public, shoot two bucks. One in Oklahoma, one in Kansas. Those are my goals. Mm, okay. Is that you? Same? Good. Same. Okay. <laughs> Made it quick. Yeah. We got a uh, we got third question is from OKS Hunter. It says, What is your definition of a shooter buck? And how does inflation factor into your hunting goals this season? So my definition of a shooter buck is like I said before, if it doesn't make you say oh crap, then you probably don't need to shoot. If it doesn't make you question yourself, should I shoot this? Should I not? Then you know, you might want to lay off of it and wait for something that would make you super, super happy. But if that buck makes you happy, fire away. How does inflation factor into your hunting goals this season? You know, inflation, <laughs> it sucks, but it's just like, what are you going to do about it? You know, am I not, am I just not going to drive down the public? No, I would sell my left kidney before I probably don't hunt. So it's going to suck and it's going to cost more, but, I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. I'm one of the people that I don't have hobbies besides hunting. Like that's pretty much my biggest hobby. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to let gas being twice the price stop me from doing that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I don't go out to the bar. I don't, I don't go to a comic book convention or anything like that. Like this is what I, this is what we look forward to during the year, obviously. Yeah. So short answer is we're not going to let inflation do anything we're just going to deal with it and complain constantly every time that gas knob or that gas <laughs> touches the uh touches the old tank there will be a complaint yes but i will keep going yes Persevere. and I, th- I feel like we we covered the shooter buck in the, in mm-hmm. the question before so we got next okay so this one's from uh luke babcock your little brother what's the most affordable public hunting setup I thought about this one for a second before we got on. Did you? I think my, what I would do if I was trying to be most affordable and cost effective would be to get a very cheap hang on, like an Ameristep. It's probably 13, 12 or 13 pounds. I would buy one of those for $50, and then I would go get me a set of Hawk Heliums for $100 for four. And that would be my public land setup. For $140, $150, you'd be in the woods. Is it going to be the most comfortable? No. Is it going to be the most reliable with the hawks? No. But you're going to be in the woods and you're going to be hunting, so you can't argue with that. Do you want to be out there or not? Do you want Do you want to hunt or not? Some people let gear be the reason they're not hunting. I would hunt. If I broke my release, I would be like, well, let's see how this goes If when I let this arrow go off two, the string. Two fingers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, do you think there's a, a cheaper setup than that? I don't think so. I mean, the Ameri step, I don't know if they make them anymore because I've tried to buy more, to be honest. Like uh, last year, two years ago, I tried to buy another one and I couldn't find one. So there's probably a great value one out there somewhere, though. I can get it. Check this out. Check this out. This deer right here. I shot that out of an Ameri step. There we go. On public land. So I can guarantee, I can, I can vouch that they work. They you do can work. You get down on anything that's cheap, dude. You could stand on a tree limb and shoot one if you need to. But to be safe, oh, and get you a safety harness. That's that's something we didn't really do until like two seasons ago. Yeah, I'm in the saddle, so built-in safety harness. Now, now I won't go without one. So that's right. So fifth question comes from Trailcam, and this is from Exodus Outdoor Gear. They say, "What is your ratio of cell cameras to standard cameras?" 
Okay, so I think total combined between us both, we have about 20 to 25 regular SD cameras. And then I think you have three cell cameras and I have one, one cell cam. So whatever that ratio is, I'm not good with math. But, uh, but just from where we normally hunt, we don't have the best cell service in those parts. Maybe if I don't know if they if anyone makes a camera with uh, with like satellite where the, where they can send like pictures through satellite, you know, because some, we're some Starlink. I don't know. I think we would probably try to run more cell cameras if there was something like that available, because just where we hunt, there's no cell service. So yeah, we're basically stuck with SDs. Yeah, that's true. And we don't have a ton of private to hunt. And I feel like it's a better incentive to put cell cams on private because, you know, they most likely won't get stolen. Won't get yoinked. So it's about five to one right now. For every five regular cameras we have, we have one cell camera. And I'd like to have more of both, but that's kind of how we're at right now. Got a lot of regular SD cameras, though. A lot of those. I kind of like those because it's just like you open them up and just like, oh, Christmas morning. I'm I'm still a little kid. Let's let's check and see what Santa brought. You know exactly. So uh, checking two months worth of cameras or pictures. <laughs> we're about to Kansas. Kansas is going to be really fun. Just at least checking camera wise, unless there's nothing on it. This is from Al or at Big Daddy MT. He says, "Talk about pick your weapon <clears throat> states where you can only hunt with one weapon per year." Montana is talking about it. Stupid. He used no commas, periods, or nothing, so that was a little, a little hard to Good read. Good sentence up on your yeah, own. Yeah, so talk about pick your weapon states where you can only hunt with one weapon per year. Montana is talking about it. Stupid. He's saying that as a state, you have to, or as a hunter, you have to pick your method, whether archery, black powder, rifle, for the year, and, and solely hunt with that method. That's what he's saying, right? <laughs> So you could pick muzzleloader and hunt it the entire year, or just during the season. You think? I think he's. Pro- I think they probably still limit it to seasons, but I may be wrong on that. That'd be hilarious. But regardless, I, I don't really understand the whole. The whole. Pr- why would you pigeon? What's the someone? point? You know, what's the point? I mean, maybe if their deer population is like horrible or something like that, and they're trying to they're trying to help, like kind of help it, but make it at the the consumers' detriment. Yes. Then that I guess that's one way of doing it, but that's like super odd. Why don't you just like limit the amount of tags or something like that? So if I don't kept, understand that. If they kept the seasons the same, it would keep less people in the woods during those seasons, right? So if you could only hunt archery and you usually hunt rifle and black powder too, well, that's one less person that's in there during those seasons. And vice versa, if someone usually hunts archery, but they pick rifle and they can't hunt during the archery season. So I I I think we are creatures of opportunity. Even though we don't rifle hunt very much, we usually don't make it to rifle season with tags, at least in the last couple years. But I don't really see the point to that. That sounds silly. It's a no Uh, from me, dog. Is that all we got from the questions? What do you think? Anything on that? You got any random questions you want to ask? You know, I don't talk to you every day, so I now wanted to just pick your brain on you're a hold on, you're a wealth of knowledge. I love it. Yeah. I love that wording. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's all we got for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing our first bow hunt and our first rifle hunts. And uh take some uh 
I don't want to say stones, but it does suck to to tell those stories. I hope you guys take those with a grain of salt because we're we are trying to be better than that now. But that's where we started, and it is what it is. All right, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Jesus loves you. Bye. You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts.